Hey, it's Amber and welcome to season three of Politics But Make It Fashion. Come chat with me. Seventy-two Hours of Hell, My Time in the VA is out now on Amazon. This short story is about my time being in the Veterans Affairs Hospital on a voluntary 72-hour hold. This journey through involuntary hold was marked by humiliation, broken promises, and a profound sense of vulnerability. My path towards seeking help was extremely challenging. Despite the setbacks faced, I hope my journey will lead other veterans and anyone else facing mental health issues to the care and support they might desperately require. 72 Hours of Hell, My Time in a VA is available now on Amazon Kindle. Hey guys, happy Sunday, everybody. I hope that everyone is having a good weekend and a happy Sunday. Go birds. Um, It is after Thanksgiving now. Ignore my voice. I went out um, with my brother. He's in town for Thanksgiving holiday. And also my mini, it was her birthday, was on Thanksgiving this year as well. So he came up to celebrate. And we did you know, the traditional Thanksgiving. Um, actually this year was my first time ever cooking a turkey. Um, I don't know. It's not my fave. I don't really like turkey all that much either. And I cooked it to be able to donate it to veterans and stuff. Cause nobody in my family really eats a ton of turkey, but y'all cooking a 19 pound bird, like it was ridiculous. I do not have like the pans <laughs> to support that type of endeavor. And I love to cook, but I think it's just, I've never been a big like roaster and I'm not a big meat person. So I was like, man, I don't even really have any way to try to cook this and do it and stuff. But I'm a side girly, like you can leave the turkey and ham. I will gorge on potatoes and yams and mac and cheese and stuffing. Like that is my, that is my go-to, my wheelhouse. So then we ended up for Black Friday this year. We took Minnie to Legoland for her birthday. And guys, it was so cute. So it was cold. Okay. (laughs) It was, it was cold, real cold, but because it was cold, it wasn't really crowded. And I also think that a lot of people probably didn't really think to go to like an amusement park for Black Friday which I was thinking in my head, like, oh, I think this would kind of be the perfect time for us to go up there. So Legoland, New York is only about an hour and 30 minutes from Scranton. And if you guys follow my YouTube, my personal YouTube, which is Amber Viola, I did a vlog about our trip there. But something I learned when, when we were there that was really, really cool was the fact that it is free for veterans to get in. So um, I think the process is a little complicated to get the free tickets, but you have to go through like the main Lego website and you're able to do that. You can also call um, and do that. And they also have a contact email on there on the website at the bottom. So you can also email, but yeah. So any veterans out there looking to do a little fun day trip, 
it was a good time and they have they do have like a little water park and stuff that obviously is going to be open in the summertime and everything but it was really um we had a really good time and i definitely would recommend people go check it out so as i said it was black friday did any of y'all go shopping and and spend money because for me personally i feel like america is on punishment and on timeout because she just been acting up and like and also everybody's broke and y'all did y'all see that like nothing was actually really on sale because i'm not going out of my way for 15 percent off like black friday used to really black friday like i've gotten stuff for like tvs and you know waffle irons and blenders and stuff like i remember getting a waffle iron that i absolutely love and i think it might have just died like last year but it was a belgian waffle maker and i got that thing for like five dollars and i loved it so much i remember getting all my like appliances because i had matching green ones when i was um stationed in virginia and everything i don't know it just used to black friday used to really be doing something because it's like i don't i saw stuff that was like twenty dollars off a tv no no what is that the last time i brought a tv for black friday i got a tv for like a hundred bucks and it was humongous and i was so happy and i think that was one of the few things that i've wanted um wanted to get because i normally will i like to do my christmas shopping all year round um after every holiday normally there's a big purge at your big box stores like target and walmart marshall's tj maxx stuff like that so even after like christmas after new year's after thanksgiving even smaller holidays after easter and all that stuff when the stuff starts going on sale i normally pick up things that aren't necessarily that holiday specific and that i can use for christmas time so i'm always looking for different deals and and different stuff and there just was really nothing that i saw that was even worth to me like getting up to even go and people were showing videos and stuff on TikTok, and a lot of places looked like either just a regular smuggler day or places were even like more low-key dead than normal so let me know um let me know if you guys went out and went shopping for black friday and i know that there's a lot of back and forth on it with consumerism and capitalism and stuff but i really do remember it being very fun going with my family even my my ex-in-laws would make like t-shirts and stuff and we'd all go out shopping and it was fun because the family was together you know everybody has a little christmas list of stuff that you that you want to get you know but then there's always the people who are just running around and pushing people out the way and stuff and i'm not really here for that <clears throat> so uh let's get into some fun stuff here so there were riots in dublin all right and it was kind of this crazy stabbing attack um so a bunch of little babies literally like kids got stabbed and they are rioting now because of this and it and within minutes it spread so fast on internet 
that the violence started erupting and breaking out. I mean, probably like almost an hour or two after this happened. So violence breaks out in central Dublin after a knife attack injures children near a school. So three kids who were among the five people that were injured on Thursday were all primary school kids. So a man in his 50s attacked a number of people outside of this school, like just stabbing people. They said that nobody else was involved except for this one guy. But after this happened, now the kids are being taken to the hospital and things like that. Word starts spreading online really, really fast. And the issue, I guess we would say, that people are having with it is because the person who did this attack was not originally from Dublin and they were an immigrant. So it started getting real racist real fast, y'all, you know, and it started becoming a very like far right protest with people who are very anti-immigrant now gathering in this place. They said the earliest was within 45 minutes. People originally started to gather around and police blamed far right agitators for starting the violence. Some started shouting, get them out. One kicked uh, mirrors off a police car. People started looting and setting things on fire. There was like 34 people who were arrested. Um, so the, the victims of the original attack were a five-year-old girl, a five-year-old boy, a six-year-old girl. And there was another woman who was in her thirties, who was also injured as well. So my question with, with this whole thing is where do we find the balance between, okay, So there's a lot of places that are feeling like they're being overrun by immigrants and by just the whole general immigration process. Now, are some of these people like the hella racist people who are the ones screaming, get them out? Yeah. Are there other people who are just concerned about availability and access to goods and services, access to different support systems. Um, I've been watching a lot of TikToks about a lot of the shelters in New York City, and a lot of them are being overrun with immigrants. And the issue that the shelters are having is that there's just not enough stuff to go around. So when you have a place where usually say you're taking care of your regular 100 unhoused people and people who need assistance. You know, you're cooking hundred meals, you're getting people have clothing donations coming in and out. You're able to have pe- maybe a social workers there to talk to people and get them set up in a, a shelter or get them in housing or different things. But when you go from that to all of a sudden, now you're trying to deal with a thousand people. Those people who originally were there are feeling like they're being pushed out. And so a lot of the shelters in New York were feeling like there wasn't enough room for people who were from there, from New York. There wasn't enough food to go around. There were Thanksgiving dinners and meals and fights were breaking out because people were getting turned away. And so the native people to the area were upset and mad because they felt like they weren't getting the treatment that they should. And now other people are coming in 
taking over. And it's like, I don't, what is the issue that we kind of need to fix? Is it, we need more like support systems in place or do we need to move these people around to somewhere else? Because in places like Dublin and then also in places like New York, places like France, you have influxes of immigrants coming in so much that there's just not enough space and not enough places. So you have people in New York sleeping on the streets because they came here and they got off a bus and they were basically kind of dropped off and left there and they don't have anywhere to go and they don't have money. They don't have access to things. A lot of these people don't speak English. So like, I don't know what the answer is guys on, on how do you kind of going about fixing that? And also how do you fix it in like a non-racist way? Because it's when I was listening to the people talk in New York and even some of the people who are giving interviews in Dublin, it was a sense of just being very frustrated because there just wasn't enough space and things to go around. And these people wanted to be able to help everybody, but they felt like they could not. So how do we deal with the influx of immigration? And is it like, do you close it? And do you tell people that we're not, <laughs> America's not in a place to help anybody right now. Okay, we'll, we'll get back to you in three to five business days because we're going through it. You know, how do you then, my other question would be, how do you allow immigrants to come in and keep their culture and be able to keep like their autonomy, you know, and, and their traditions and stuff, but, but while also having them feel safe and be able to kind of like assimilate into the culture around them because cultures are different. And Western culture is different, especially in Europe, than a lot of the Muslim culture that the immigrants are bringing in. So even things like um, modesty are different in different places. So I don't know if you guys remember a while back, it was in the EU where there was like a gang of immigrants that was going around and sexually assaulting women and, and young girls. And you know, of course, weeding through all kind of the rhetoric and mess that came out of it. But one of the things I found so interesting was just like, if you're bringing in people from somewhere who say, see women in a different way, and now they're living in an area where that's not the way that women are seen there, and that's not the way that women are treated, how can we kind of like change that? You know, how do you fix that? Because you'd have to kind of like teach somebody those things. Um, and also things where there's different cultures where, you know, masculinity, machismo is a bigger thing. And you can have people who see women as more of an object coming into somewhere where women are not seen that way. And then you get things like the gang of people who are running around and sexually assaulting women. and you know, the question was like, do people think that this is okay? What is the cause of this? And how do you stop this? And how do you stop something like that without saying, hey, we have to like totally close our borders down and, and totally shut everything down, you know? Because it's, so here in the US, in immigrant communities, 
it's safer than most American communities and the crime rate is actually lower. So it's not that you have people who are coming from other places coming here to just wreak havoc and stir up a bunch of mess because that's really normally not what happens. People want to go to a different country. They want to settle down. They want to be able to work and take care of their families. But the issue comes in when you have people who are fleeing from another area so heavily and so much that it's just so many people at one time, they're not able to come in and settle down and try to find a job and get a place. They're literally lying in the streets of New York sleeping on the sidewalk when it's 20 degrees outside. And so then you are, are you now creating a system where things like what happened in Dublin are going to happen because people are so on the fringes that they're lashing out and reacting violently. I don't know if if that really makes sense, but are we creating in a, a hostile environment for immigrants to now where people are lashing out because they don't feel like they have anything left? You know, if you if you're sleeping on a street, if you're hungry, and some of these people were coming here up up north to the U.S. with no coats, no hats. Like, and if you're from the the Northeast, you know you can't come up from Texas up here and have on just a sweatshirt and you're sleeping outside. So if somebody is in a situation like that, are they probably going to turn to like robbing people and doing different things? In my head, that logically makes sense. So how do we stop those things kind of from happening? I don't know the answer, guys. That is just what I was thinking about when I was... um you know, reading articles about what was happening in Dublin and to those poor kids, you know, and then this riot breaks out and there's so much stuff happening, but it's like, what's the underlined issue and and how do we actually, how do we actually stop it? And that even goes into what the, what's going on with Israel and Palestine, because the countries that are bordering them are feeling like, like Jordan are feeling like, Hey, we got a lot of people already. Uh, we do not have the stuff in place to like help you right now, you know, because there's so many people at one time. I mean, you're talking about like millions of Palestinians who are being displaced. Where are they supposed to go? And now it's up to another country to be able to open their borders up to help them. And then what happens when those countries don't really have the resources in place to do that? And when people are, ugh, <laughs> when people are in that status of immigrant like of not immigrant, sorry, when people are in, are in the status of refugee, you're not, it's not like you can be a refugee and just like go get an apartment and get a job and start trying to build your life. You're kind of basically living in a limbo because you're not officially really anywhere. You are in refugee status. So there's places in Africa and there's places in the Middle East who have been war-torn places for so long and people have been uprooted and forced to leave and become refugees and they have never been able to return home. And they're just stuck raising their families in these makeshift housing places and makeshift camps and they're not able to even provide for their families or do anything because Palestinians are basically refugees in these open-air concentration camps out there they're not really able to get jobs and do all those things. So they literally live off of the aid coming in from other places in the world because they're being occupied. 
So I don't know, is that situation creating turmoil and creating unrest and, and making people feel like, oh shit, I don't have, like, I might as well do some crime because what else do I have? You know what I mean? I don't know. I just feel like you're, when you take everything away from people and then people do crazy things and then we sit and wonder why people do crazy things, but I digress. So a hostage update, which has been really, really great news. Um, so Israel and Hamas came to a ceasefire over the holiday weekend. I personally think it's because they were worried that nobody was going to go out shop and buy and stuff. So they want it kind of like, oh, let's have peace in the Middle East so that people will go back to their regular scheduled programming and go out and go shopping and buy stuff and forget that they're like boycotting Starbucks or whatever. So Hamas freed hostages and Israel released Palestinian prisoners. There was an American among the 17 hostages that were freed on the third day of the ceasefire. In exchange, Israel released 39 Palestinian prisoners, all of whom were minors. Let me say that again. All of whom were minors, guys. They were kids. Okay. So yes, did Hamas take hostages? Absolutely, they did. Was there already prisoners and hostages that Israel had of Palestinians before all of this happened on October what 7th? Yes, they were. They already had a ton of hostages and political prisoners already. And all of them were minors. So they were all kids. I hope that we can seriously come to an agreement with this. Um, because the killing, I mean, it's really gotten out of hand and I'm really glad that they came to the ceasefire. And I hope that, I mean, once it's over, it doesn't just start right back up again. But, you know, I guess we'll we'll continue to see and I'll continue get to update you guys on, on what's going on. I know that sometimes there's a lot of noise out there and it's hard to like really find the facts of like what is going on, you know, and, and find the things that are definitely accurate. But I think it's important that we we don't turn a blind eye and we don't turn away. You have to look. You have to see. The revolution is being televised. What are you going to do about it? So I will leave you with that. And I hope that you guys enjoy the rest of this holiday time this week. And if y'all going back to work tomorrow, I am sorry from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> you guys can definitely hit that subscribe button um, wherever you listen to a podcast. Also leave us a great review. You can follow us on TikTok at Politics But Make It Fashion. Follow us on Instagram at Politics But Make It Fashion 1. And we are on Facebook at Politics But Make, Make It Fashion. And we will chat soon. My name is Aria. I'm 11 and I love to bake. My mom helped me start cheese cookies and treats so that I can save money for my future and do what I like because, well, I'm too young to get a real job out here on my own. When Amber asked my mom if I could make some dye-free cookies for her daughter, I started looking right away for options. While natural colors aren't as vibrant as artificial, they are much better for us and those with allergies. And I now plan to offer it as an option for everyone who can't have artificial dyes. I'm so happy I got to make this for a special girl's birthday so that she can have colors and still get to enjoy it. A dye-free cookie set is $55.